0: Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 34. Coming up today, Phil's going to tell you where to go. See, I get that at least four times a week from him, so don't feel that you're special. (laughs) Phil's going to tell you where to go if you have an issue with any financial matters. PPI, all of that coming up. Maybe find out if you do something and who can help. That's kind of what we do here. Try to make money and finance worries easier to solve. Now, in our previous shows, I can say with a degree of certainty, whatever it is that's brought you here, we've covered it. Just... Trust me on that one. A huge list of material. But in general terms, we've done it. So if you have a financial query, first place to look is our back catalogue. Search the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts and you'll find us there. An enormous resource all available for free. But one, the world is always changing and with it financial queries. And two, there's so much to cover within the financial world. We keep going back and looking at another aspect every week. Find our previous shows after listening to this one. Have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, maybe you could tell us, something that we need to address to help you out and subscribe or follow. And then that way you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis with me as always, the star of the show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil.
1: Hi, John. How are you?
0: Good, thank you. Okay, it used to be that you couldn't move for ads about PPI on the telly or radio. And latterly that had moved to, you might be 2000s, but hurry, time is running out. Text Fortune to 23456. Now, I thought all of that was over. And then just recently... I've heard variations in the theme creeping back in. So if you drove a Mercedes between 2012 and 2016, or if you were on a British Airways flight from Jamaica in June 2017, stuff like that, seems like the uh, the compensation culture isn't just going away. But in this episode, that's that's probably a good thing, Phil, right?
1: Yes, uh, so I mean, we certainly have got like a, a real compensation culture these days. I mean, I know when, when I go over to America, you see the TV adverts and it's just one <laughs> after the other about folk like, have you ever been missold this or has this ever happened to you? And it's just nuts. And I, I still get the phone calls, the, the dodgy ones where folk phone up, I'm phoning about that mine accident that you had. And it's like, <laughs> oh man, it's just nuts, is it? But yeah. um, it is, it's almost like a, an industry in its own right these days. But I, I guess for financial, in, in the financial services world, it's good that people have got some sort of right of redress so that if something is wrong, they, there is options for, for putting it right.
0: Yeah, so what kind of things are we talking about dealing with in this episode then?
1: I think over the the last sort of recent years, I mean, there's been a lot of the the PPI complaints. That that was a big one for for quite a long time. Before that, it was endowment complaints. At the moment, the the big one is um, defined benefit pension scheme complaints. So that's where people have maybe transferred out of a defined benefit pension scheme, but they weren't aware of, of all the facts before doing so. So in recent years, that, or certainly in, in the last year or so, that one's come up uh, an awful lot more. In this week's show, we, we just look at where you can go if you've got any issues with, with any financial matters. So that's that's the the subject that we're covering today.
0: OK, well, good place to start. If I've, if I've got an issue with a financial matter, what's the first thing I should do? Should I contact the company in question and try and sort of resolve things with them?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing that you should be doing is, is giving them the opportunity to to put things right. If, if someone makes a complaint, it can be verbal. One thing I always like is if, if you are making a complaint about something, I like to do it in writing. And that way you've just got like a, a written record to refer back to, whereas if it is a verbal conversation, I guess if somebody was less scrupulous, they could argue that that never happened. So I, I like mm. to have things either on email or by letter um, and take copies of everything.
0: I know that if you don't get a, a satisfactory resolution from the company that you're you're approaching, you can then go sort of over and above their heads. There's like a, an official ombudsman of, of some description, isn't there?
1: Yeah, that's right. Initially, you've got to to make a complaint to the the firm that you're you're unhappy with, and they get eight weeks to to look into that and and try and put things right. If you're still not happy or if you haven't heard back from them in that time, you can then ask the financial ombudsman to to step in. Now, the, the financial ombudsman service is an independent service for settling disputes between financial services companies and their customers. If a company you want to complain about is no longer trading, you can still complain. But what then happens is it goes to what's called the the financial services scheme. Uh, Sorry, the financial services compensation scheme. So at least there, you've still got, even if the business isn't still trading, you've still got some sort of, fall back there as well, which is
0: good. And what, what sort of complaints then does the, the Ombudsman deal with? Is it, is it things like PPI or, or, or bigger sort of scenarios? Uh,
1: the, the PPI complaints have, have kind of passed now. Um, the, the bulk of them, the deadline's passed for, for any new complaints on, on the PPI. The Ombudsman deals with are uh, so, so varied. I mean, they, they deal with banking complaints, insurance complaints, mortgages, loans, pensions... Um, and then even from the 1st of April, 2019, you can actually complain about claims management companies. So you can complain about the complainers, which is just incredible. I, I've seen people in the past contact the ombudsman about issues with travel insurance, pet insurance, missile pensions. It, it's there as well. If someone's not happy with any sort of financial advice on investments, pensions, they, they can look into that as well. But it does, it, it's really like covers an awful lot of different areas there.
0: You mentioned earlier that, that if you approach a company, um, they have eight weeks in which to reply and get back in touch. Does the ombudsman have a, a similar thing? Do they do they have to do their investigation within a certain period of time? How long does it take?
1: You, I mean, what you'll find is, you, well, firms have got that eight-week period where they've got to reply Give, give you a final response to, to your complaint. There are circumstances where they may write and say, look, it's going to take us a bit longer to, to investigate something. Once you get your final re- response, it's important that you contact the ombudsman. You've got six months then to, to do so. If you leave it longer than that, that might invalidate any sort of complaint that you have. The ombudsman, sometimes they they can take a wee while to, to look into things, but at least you, you've got that that you can go down that route should the, the need arise.
0: And if I if I go to the ombudsman, Phil, um, does it cost me anything? Is there is there a cost to, to the individual that's applying?
1: There's no I mean that that's one of the good things is you can go to the ombudsman and for the consumer it's free. The the way that it's funded, financial services companies pay a levy, and that goes towards the this so the good news for clients is or for for customers is they can put in a complaint, have it go to the ombudsman, and it doesn't cost them nothing for that.
0: And the financial services uh, companies are are paying the ombudsman's wage. Did you say there?
1: Yeah. So so <laughs> they're probably exactly. sitting in the background
0: going, listen, remember who funds you? Pal.
1: Oh, it's painful. I mean, some of the levies <laughs> that I've had to pay over the years. There's and, and the thing that frustrates me about this is that I mean, we we've never had any. We I think we've had two complaints in, in 10 years, um, and neither of them were, were upheld. So we, we like to think that what we're doing is really good in, in my business. Now, the, the downside is that my business has then got to pay a levy every year to compensate all the, the kind of cowboys. We, we pay levies to for the Financial Ombudsman Service. We, we also pay levies to what's called the Financial Services Compensation Scheme. Now, these schemes are great for clients and I am glad they're there but, but I don't think it's great as the way that they're funded because it, what's happening is that the good firms are actually paying for the bad which just you mm-hmm. know for me it just doesn't doesn't seem right
0: the thing with um and I know you said that the, the PPI has, has sort of closed off now the thing that always struck me about PPI towards the end of it and they still had these Ads on telly and on the radio all the time, going at hundred miles an hour, saying, "If you've got PPI, get in touch." Uh, there were so many of them, it seemed to me that you'd think surely everyone has, you know, that was going to complain, has has complained now. But you must have thought on the reverse side of that, if you were one of the companies who was being accused, it was almost like a waterfall. You just thought that you were bound to lose, and the companies were setting the cash aside. Yeah, what do you what do you think? Of the likes of these companies that are coming in to claim on behalf of, of of someone that that maybe feels that they've been, uh, you know, wrongly sold. Do you, yeah. do you think yeah, they're just yes. cashing some, in? Some
1: the, I know some some of the banks actually just set aside sums of money to say yeah. right, we will pay this out, and and some of them didn't really contest it. Do you know what? The, I I think was with, with some of the PPI complaints, some of them, some, some folk probably got redressed that. They maybe shouldn't have. I mean, it, for, for some people, it was a good product to have, but generally everybody, all, all the providers got tired with the same brush, and, mm. and um, I know some of them set aside like oh, millions of pounds to, to pay out compensation. Some of them actually paid out compensation for, without them even having to make a, a complaint, which I guess was a good thing of them to, to do, but the banks made a lot of money off of these PPI policies. Coming back to the, the claims companies, I mean, they, they can't have... They, it can be a good thing. I mean, they, they can be a help to, to some people. My biggest gripe with the, the complaints companies is some of them charge quite, what I class as quite extortionate fees. I mean, maybe it's because I'm quite financial savvy that if it was myself, I would do it myself if I had a financial complaint. But um, I guess for some people, they're, they're a good place that they can go and discuss things and see if they have got a complaint. But it is you, you can go straight to the providers if you've you've got a problem mm-hmm. with them. So generally, I would tend to encourage somebody to do that to, yeah. in, in the first
0: instance. Yeah, I was going to say, you can, uh, you don't have to use any um, sort of middle company, but it does usually become a good bit more difficult, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, they, they, there are things out there, I mean, like, Citizens Advice is an organisation that can help with with some things it's maybe worth a call to to them you've also got the pension advisory service so again these are organisations that are out there but it doesn't cost anything to, to speak to them and rather than going through maybe a claims management company it might be best kind of speaking to some of these organizations in the, the first place because that potentially could save you quite a bit i mean you, you tend to find the way the claims management companies work is they'll take a percentage of any compensation that you get and as i've seen some folk lose half their money and not only that they, they often have that to pay on top so I, I have seen occasions where people have kind of lost more than half of the, the compensation payout to, to pay for the claims companies
0: mm hands up here i have done this three times in my life where i believe i've been missold. on one occasion i had a letter i actually was going through old documents and i found this letter and it detailed the <laughs> detailed the ppi that you'd be paying and why you'd be paying it and i thought i don't ever i don't ever remember saying that i would agree to this and it was just a document I, and i sent it back to the company who provided it uh, and they they just issued a check plus interest for the the, the time that it accrued over yeah. Um, and that was it. That was the only dealing. So that was, that was like relatively easy. There was one that I did with a, a, a firm who had fitted some furnishings and they wouldn't let me, we paid off over a period of time. They actually at the time wouldn't let me because I was self-employed buy the, the product without taking out uh, payment protection insurance, even though I didn't want it. And that came back fairly easily. And the one that took a year was with a credit card company, and I just sent letter after letter after letter until finally they buckled. And I managed to get money back from them as well. But it, it, it wasn't easy, I have to be honest. Uh, and I wasn't trying to cheat anybody. I was just going back for, for what I thought was was, was right. Uh, but it isn't easy. So I suppose, I mean, it's, 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 um, it swings around about, isn't it? You can use a claim company. It will make it easier, but you will lose money in the long run in terms of what you're paying back to them. That's it. Anything else that we should look out for, Phil?
1: I would say, like, one, one thing to be aware of is that if the ombudsman makes a decision and you're not happy with it, that's still not the, the final kind of nail in the coffin, so to speak, because you, you, theoretically you can still take things to court if you're unhappy wait, with that. The, the good thing is that for the financial services companies, whatever the ombudsman rules, they've got to adhere to that. So, so again, that's good for, for the clients as well. If someone's got a complaint and they, they do go to the ombudsman, you can either phone the ombudsman um, or they do have a form on their website. The, the website for them is www.financial-ombudsman.org.uk and on there, they there is a form that you can submit should you want them to look into things. But like I said earlier, you've always got to give the that whoever you're complaining about, you've got to give them the opportunity to put things right in, in the first place. I'd mentioned earlier, the PPI complaints deadline is, is passed. So um, that's kind of gone now. So the, the the big one at the minute, or I mentioned earlier, defined benefit pensions is one that there's quite a number of complaints going in about just now. But I, I think what will come up in, in years to come is that there's a lot of financial advisory firms or, or financial advice firms charge people for ongoing advice. And I I see a lot of cases. I had one just the other day. The company that had set something up was charging this client an ongoing fee, but they hadn't had their stuff reviewed for eight years. Now, for me, if if that goes to the ombudsman, they would be making them, I'm pretty sure, refund all that fees. And in theory, if the client was able to demonstrate that they'd been financially... um, Financially disadvantaged by that, then the redress could be even more than, than just refunding the fees. So I, I think it, it's good for clients that they've got this opportunity where if things aren't as they want it to be, that they can kind of complain about it.
0: Just to go back to something you said there, Phil, um, you mentioned that the, the ombudsman is not necessarily your, your final sort of port of call. Um, you can go to court over and above that. I would have thought if the ombudsman is is, um, perceived to be impartial, the chances of you winning anything at court and a court overturning the ombudsman, they're probably fairly small and fairly remote that you're going to get a win. I would have
1: thought so. I think there has been occasions where things have then gone to court and the court has sided on the client's side at that point. So I think there are examples of it, but I I would have been the same as you, John. I, I would have thought... That as well, if the Ombudsman has looked into things thoroughly. but I guess some people will want to kind of just take things to the, the bitter end if they've got a, a problem with something.
0: I suppose it all depends on how much you've, you've got sort of outstanding on that, doesn't it, really? Yeah. Um, so, what are our, our, our key takeaways from this one, then, Phil?
1: Um, I, I would say, I mean, the, the key takeaways are that. If you're not happy, give somebody the the opportunity to to put things right. And then if you're still not happy, you've got the the ombudsman that can look into things. And if if things do go to the ombudsman, I mean, they they can put things right by making the company apologise. They can pay an award for financial loss, refund fees and charges that you shouldn't have paid. They can pay compensation as well for any distress and inconvenience you've been through. So it is a really good service there to, to protect
0: clients. Tell you what you know how sometimes you hear about these drinking games that students have when like um bake-offs on tv and every time someone says the word ganache to have a drink if someone had been doing it with us when we're saying ombudsman in this episode i tell you they'd be smashed by now okay each week so far as we've covered various topics phil's given us a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects that we've been discussing so Ever had an issue with a financial matter for yourself or or somebody you've been representing, Phil? What have you got on that one?
1: For me personally, I mean, I've, I've never had PPI. Um, I never had an endowment. So I was never personally impacted by those. Uh, I, I've seen some complaints in the past with the claims companies phone and folk up I've seen folk kind of, never myself, but I've heard examples of it where maybe a complaints company would phone somebody up and say, oh, have you got this or have you got that? And, oh, well, you've maybe been missold. And then the person goes and speaks to the person that's set up who was maybe one of their mates and they're mm-hmm. trying to, like, claim against them for being missold <laughs> something that that wasn't. But I've I, i I've seen it. We've, we've had two complaints at my work in the last 10 years. And like I said earlier, neither of them were, were upheld. But, for me, it's something you don't want to, to have. You don't want people to be unhappy with, with anything. And I, I accept that you've got some chancers out there that'll if they think they might get a few quid off or something, they'll they'll try it. But fortunately for me, it's something I've I've never really had to, to kind of put in any complaints personally myself against anywhere.
0: And Phil, we always do this bit as well. You find inspiration through various people that you admire and you do love a quote. So, have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode on where you can go if you have an issue with any financial matters?
1: I've got, I've got a quote but it doesn't really tie in all that well with, with what we've been speaking about. We, from you, you better push to get one. Do, do you know when I when I was looking up quotes about complaining, it was always going on about how you shouldn't complain and things, but I guess this episode is almost encouraging people if they have got a problem to try and complain and sort things out. But um, the quote of the week this week I've got is uh, another Jim Rowan one. I think one last week and yep. another one today, and it's either you run the day
0: or the day runs you. There you go. I like these ones. Uh, Now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. So if you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you prefer it that way. Let's get on to this week. Uh, Contact details in just a moment. I'll give to you after these. Our first question today comes from Karen in Aviemore. Now, she's got a question on pensions and furlough. She's been furloughed. still isn't sure she's going to be called back to return to her job because the the furlough uh, extension keeps on coming through doesn't it um she's wondering how this might have affected her company pension in the meantime phil
1: it it may have impacted it slightly i mean if you're in a workplace pension let's give an example so let's say she's on 80 percent of her wages if that's the case then she should still be getting 80% of her pension payments going in. Now, some people would say, oh, I can't really afford it, money's tight. So they may be inclined to. Th- to maybe want to stop their pension payments. But but I would say is if someone can afford to keep their workplace pension going, I would because your employer contributes into it and also you're getting the tax relief on it. So if you can't afford to keep paying into the pensions, then I, I would. But the amounts could be impacted because you're maybe on a, a lower percentage of your
0: wage. Okay, and next is Stuart in Tain. Now, Stuart's got a question on property. He's wondering if there's a financial product which is readily available that would allow him to buy a commercial property now, but not pay the full monthly amount on the loan until he's able to trade uh, from that property and has more money coming in. At
1: the moment, I, I'm not aware of anything, but that said, I, I've never dealt an awful lot with commercial loans in the past. I, I know... Years ago on on residential mortgages, you used to get what was called low-start mortgages. So they would start off that you would pay less or or nothing at all for a period of time, and then it would go up over time. But as far as I know, I I don't know of anything like that just now. I know some of these, um, there was a few of these business interruption schemes for businesses where businesses could apply for a, a loan. There was one that long ago called Sybil's Coronavirus Interruption Business Loan Scheme. That's finished now, and it's, it's been replaced by by something else. But the, the way that worked, and there was the, the government bounce-back loan as well, the the way that scheme's worked was that you, you maybe didn't have to pay anything for the first year, and then you started to make the payments thereafter. So that was to, to really give companies a bit of respite after the, the kind of upheaval they've had with the pandemic. But I guess with, with that type of... Loans, they were more for business recovery as opposed to buying a, a new property. But I, at the minute, I'm not aware of anything in that um, line just now, I'm afraid.
0: Would you say, uh, before you get in touch with the question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics in there and we might have touched on whatever it is that you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. Now, if you feel you need a helping hand, with anything that we've been talking about or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well, or you can email him a question that he could answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's Phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering that in an upcoming podcast. Like I say, please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you would prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please follow on Apple or whatever you get your podcast. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to make that cash further. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.
1: Thanks, John.